It's time for the Access of Easy podcast, the weekly technology digest that keeps you ahead of the curve. Brought to you by EasyDNS.com. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Welcome back. Access of Easy number 333. This is the audio sidekick to the weekly Access of Easy newsletter where you can get all the latest in data breach and overreach and tech and security. My name is Joey Lem. What's going on over there, brother? How are you? I'm okay, Joey. Still trying to get out of this deep cold over here that we're settled in in Southern Ontario. But other than that, everything's all right. How about you? Good. My wife tells me it sounds like I'm getting sick, which is great. Um, <laughs> it's the weekend coming up here. So I actually have an appointment oh. with my GP today, my standard kind of, you know, once yearly, once every 18 months, uh, hold it while I cough type appointment. So maybe he'll say the same thing. I'm not sure. <laughs> Find out, I guess. But uh, yeah, everything's good. Uh, everything's uh, just rosy over here. I'm ready to talk about some of the uh, latest and greatest. So we'll start as we always do with last week's quote. Do not hesitate. To ask boldly for more. Who asks a king for a penny? That was by a guy named Vernon Howard. And uh, we didn't have a winner last week, so no one got that. This week's quote, It is not the external stress that kills you or makes you stronger. It is how you react internally to the stress that kills you or makes you stronger. And if you know who that was by, you know what to do. Put it in the comments. No Googling, no cheating. Don't pervert the process, okay? Just do it the honest way. And uh, if you win, your next renewal on easy dns can't beat that so len we got uh one two three four five stories Same. today yeah. um where do you want to start let's hop in <clears throat> yeah we talk about a new cyber crime campaign that was launched a while back and it involves a malware program and it's called inferno drainer <laughs> oh man um, three three out of five <laughs> you're being <laughs> very generous i'm gonna go like <laughs> 0.5 to one at most out of five. We've had some terrible ones, Len. In fairness, like this is not as bad as some of the ones we've seen. I said, okay, two and a half out of five. I'll I'll drop down to two and a half. We'll give it. Okay, I'm not budging, mark. man. This thing is it's pathetic by <laughs> our standards. But anyways, this Inferno Drainer, which has a terrible name, it sucked in over 137,000 people, and of those people, they've lost a grand total of around 87 million dollars in digital assets. So this malware was operated was an operation for you know a year, November 2022 to November 2023, and it targeted users by mimicking, you know, one well-known exchange, Coinbase. Crazy. I'm sure a lot of people are aware of it. If not, you could certainly just type in Coinbase. You'll see so much about it. But also, it was mimicking other things like Seaport and Wallet Connect. These things I have never heard of. Thankfully, never heard of, and I probably will never hear of again. And the people behind Infernal Drainer. They employed a multi-pronged attack to screw over their victims. So the first one is it was a phishing campaign. So they had phishing mm -hmm. websites and they created a vast network of over 16,000 phishing websites. And this is designed to resemble the legitimate thing. It was, so it was not really the real McCoy here. And they lured in these unsuspecting people. They connected their wallets to this and they got rugged in the process. The second thing they did, they were spoofing Web3 protocols. Now, anybody involved with Web3 protocols, you're already nine-tenths of the way there to getting rugged. So once they got in and they got spoofed from this, they connected their wallets and the malware, well, they leveraged the uh, Web3 protocol, the spoof Web3 protocol at that, to trick users into authorizing fraudulent transactions. And then these transactions then siphoned off the digital assets to the wallets controlled by 
the attackers and away we go. But the third attack, third way they were attacking, this is ingenious. It was a malware as a service. So they were offering this as a product, allowing other people to rent this malware for a fee or a cut of these stolen profits. And I don't know. I found this to be pretty funny. This has since been taken down. We're talking about infernal malware. Sure. But it it did a lot of damage as a lot of people lost a crap load of money. But you know what? People are very trusting online. They're willy-nilly clicking things and connecting their wallets. Like, come on. But anything to do with Web3, I'm just going to lay this out here. If you see something Web3, any product being offering Web3, any connection with Web3, (laughs) run far away from it because 99% this scam. It's just not worth your time to get involved. And if you are going to get involved, you might be one of these 137,000 people who just get rugged and lose a lot of your, a lot of your fortune and process. So yeah, stay away from this garbage and uh, yeah, be be informed. Most of these tokens are worth nothing anyway. Now they're actually marked to zero on your books, uh, thanks to the theft. Two things I want to point out here: one, insane how long this was running for—a full year, Len, from November 22 all the way to November 23, 87 million dollars in quote unquote digital assets. How do I feel about that term? I don't know, but um, stolen from people, completely yanked, rugged, you know, yoinked. Uh, That's a lot. And it's a long time. The second thing I'll point out is that while phishing is a common theme on this show, you know what I think is going to be more prevalent going forward, especially as more of these web three apps show up these man in the middle attacks where there's like a clear sort of um, veneer of an app or veneer of a service put on top of what should be a legitimate service. Again, using that word, uh, loosely here in relation to web three applications, but these little services where you're kind of like hopping from website to website or app to app, you don't really think about it, I guess. eh? like, I don't know, is, is this, this seems to me, it's like akin to almost the, um, ATM skimmers you see at gas stations or variety stores, right? This is the sort of the, the, like I said, the veneer of legitimacy over top of a, uh, over top of a scam that's either grabbing coins or grabbing passwords or grabbing whatever. You gotta be careful with this stuff. I know there's ways to verify whether the app you're using is, you know, of sound quality on the Bitcoin side. I think about Sparrow, for example, a great wallet software that a lot of people use. Electrum, same thing. You can verify it with hashing whether or not certain, you know, updates are legitimate. It, I guess the same thing doesn't exist over there, does it? Or if it does, people just don't care. It's just a bunch of degenerates, you know, running around like chickens with their heads, heads cut off, going from Discord chat to Discord chat, trying to grab airdrops and other garbage. This is what happens when you when you don't value, you know, security, scarcity, things like that. You just wind up, you know, with your with your assets <laughs> marked to zero. I guess, like, I don't know. Got to be careful of this stuff. Doesn't happen a lot in Bitcoin, but you see it every week almost on Access of Easy on uh, other networks. And, and Bitcoin are actually taking this very seriously. In fact, Bitcoin nodes. There is a new a new option that's going to be included in. Uh, the core Bitcoin core mm. uh, moving forward. It's not yet ready for prime time. It's still experimental, but it's allowing nodes to connect to other nodes. So peer to peer in a secure manner. So it's going to drastically eliminate any man in the middle attacks that are yeah. being done between Bitcoin nodes right now. So they are taking this very seriously on the Bitcoin side of things, and they're trying to employ tactics to reduce that. It's still experimental right now, but you're able to, Enable that in your latest Bitcoin Core 26, I believe, is the last one that was enabled. So just a, an FYI for yeah. people up there running Bitcoin Core. Google patches. 
coming out because there was a major alert sounded for Google Chrome users. I don't know who's using Google Chrome, but you should be staying Not away even from me. that. Not even me. I'm the local, uh, you know, fool when it comes to what software and hardware I use, but even I don't use Chrome. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of bugs in it, a lot of attacks, but anyways, there was a discovery of a critical zero day vulnerability, and this is leading, leaving a lot of sensitive information potentially exposed to attackers and zero days. They are the worst because when they are found out, obviously there's no existing patch to protect it. And protection is very limited from the onset. And this vulnerability resides in the V8 JavaScript and WebAssembly engine that's based in Chrome. And the attackers could exploit a memory access issue for nefarious purposes. And they could create a crafted, very carefully crafted HTML page. And then the, the hackers could then crash, trigger a crash within the engine. And then they, they can enable arbitrary code to be executed. Kind of sounds like uh, ordinals to me, the arbitrary code, but anyways, <laughs> and this could gain access to your devices, sensitive information. So this patch that's going to be coming out is going to be fixing not just Chrome users for windows, but also Mac OS users and Linux. So it looks like the whole spectrum is being covered by it. So they're going to be releasing this relatively soon. It's a very serious flaw. It was released. Uh, it was reported back in January 11th. So it's very, very recent. The only thing I would suggest is if you are using Chrome, obviously update to the latest version, but you may want to look for a more hardened version of a web browser and something that is less likely to be attacked open source. Uh, and it's, you know, Firefox comes to mind. A lot of people use Brave. Uh, just pick something that works for you. But I would suggest use something a little bit more hardened so you won't subject yourself to one of these attacks. Also, don't have a lot of information that's available on your devices. If you do, if something is compromised, then that information is then available to hackers. So it's up to you to take to take precautions and not expose your information. I believe that uh, EasyDNS is a product that helps with this domain share, right? I believe uh, offers some assistance here. So if you're if you're experiencing you know hardship, or think you might be experiencing hardship with something like this, you can reach out to Mark and the team and find out more about domain share and get help. I mean, the the thing that I would keep in mind if you're the sort of average retail user is uh, as is mentioned in the article here, browsers like Edge and Brave and Opera have like Chromium skins, I guess that would, would be the term. They're, they are Chromium skins. They're Chromium based. And so uh, no one's really out of the woods here uh, just because they use a different browser, except you, of course. You use some kind of, uh, you know, deep in the like woods, uh, open source. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So but nothing's nothing's impervious to, to these attacks. It's just, you know, they're, if they're smaller browsers, they're probably less likely to be attacked because the honeypot is not as big for attackers to mm -hmm. try to gain advantage from it. So, I mean, so it's just like Linux. Like, who the heck's going to want to attack Linux? It's just such yeah. a small market share. What are they going to get from it? It's not that you can't attack Linux. You certainly can. Linux users but, are so, I would, I would argue you're right, though. It's like not just a small market share, but that small market share of users knows knows enough not to put anything valuable on their hardware, right? Like they're way ahead of the curve in that sense. So even if you did find a vulnerability, you just wouldn't probably get anything. Yeah, interesting yeah. all the same. Um, the, a lot of zero days in uh, in Access of Easy the last, you know, three, four months. I, you don't you never realize this stuff until you start doing a show like this. You don't realize how much of these or how many of these things are kind of floating around on devices that you use. So good to know. Stay on top of it. Do, do your updates. Be, be vigilant. All those things. Well, don't you see how many updates you get 
I almost on a daily basis I get up on my system on Windows. And no, I, I'm running Linux, uh, and it's no, almost on a daily daily basis I'm getting an update on this piece of software, or that piece of software. Or, mm -hmm. So it just goes to show you, like at least on my side, there's so much development going on to try to close these these holes. I, I don't think these are quality of life issues. It's more just security holes they're they're closing off with these updates more than anything. But yeah. It's time for you to switch, Joey. It's time for you to switch. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about OpenAI. We talk about them quite a bit, and they're the creators of ChatGPT and other powerful language models. And, well, there's a debate that's been sparked up because there's a recent update to their policies, and it's surrounding the military use of the technology. And while the previous policy explicitly prohibited, prohibited the models from being used for what they call weapons development, military, and warfare, the updated version does away with this, and hmm. that specific language is no longer there. Hmm. So instead, OpenAI now presents what they call a universal policies, and this focuses on broader, less restrictive principles like preventing harm to others and unauthorized <laughs> repurposing of their models. <laughs> so this change in making their policy, they say it's more concise and avoids duplication, while emphasizing on their core values of safety and responsible AI developments. But here's the problem. It seems that AI is softening their stance on military applications. Mm -hmm. And this is opening up the doors for potential partnerships between defense agencies and having them integrate into weapon systems, this AI system, the AI protocols and everything like that. And this raises ethical debates. This, this is going to be very interesting the, how this comes out, how this is going to play out moving forward, because AI potentially can be used for harmful purposes. And it's not just the one of just stealing somebody's uh, information or money. That's harmful. But using it in a military application, that's taking it to a whole new level. And some people are saying this is a step in the right direction because they could use this to potentially revamp national security applications like disaster responses or cyber security defenses. Wow. And OpenAI states their mission remains focused on building safe and beneficial AI. Now, they keep saying this. <laughs> they keep re reiterating that, that that's their overall mission statement here. But the reality is how it's going to be used is going to dictate how people are going to be looking at this. And if it's going to be used in military applications, I don't know. I, I'm not very fond of this, but it, this seems to be the way things are moving. I Obviously, I can't stop it, but I can voice my displeasure. And I, I think I'm going to start doing so moving forward. These guys are on the accelerated Google curve, right? Remember when Google first came around, everyone was talking about how, oh, they'll never do any wrong. You know, do no harm is in there. Or what was it? Do no evil or something like that was in their sort of ethos and all their handbooks and whatnot. And then over the course of about 20 years, they completely stopped. And now they're a wing of the U.S. government. These guys are on the same curve, except it's only taken them about six months to get there. I've never in my life seen a company nuke more of its, you know, sort of intrinsic value than these guys have. Uh, and don't forget, you know, they're willing to be military. They're willing to be military pawns, it seems like, vis-a-vis -vis this story. But you can't get the thing to write a song about Donald Trump if you tried. That's not allowed. Too much harm there. But uh, setting up, you know, drone swarms uh, to bomb innocent minorities half half across the globe, uh, no problem. So poem, no, song, no, but um, mass murder, drone swarms, yes, no problem. Military applications, yes, no problem. I don't know, by the way, of any military applications that quote unquote, do no harm. So I don't know, maybe uh, 
Are we entering a new age of military, Len, where it's all just like confetti and gifts dropping from these uh, drone swarms, dropping from AI-governed uh, machines, you know, monitoring the skies, monitoring the land and sea? Is that it? I, I wouldn't mind a couple of gifts. I mean, I hope I don't see a drone swarm in Canada, but uh, I'll don't take it if it's confetti and gifts. <laughs> don't accept those gifts, Joe. You didn't know what's inside them, right? It's, it's opening up a can of worms, and you're just going to be worse uh, off in the end. I love but it. Got some news down south. That Senators Ron Wyden and Cynthia Lummis, they have demanded an investigation into the SEC. This is following a hack in the agency's Twitter account. And we talked about this <clears throat> at length in Access of Easy 332. This hack occurred around the same time as a significant spike in the price of Bitcoin. So it's obvious to anybody with a brain that these two stories are linked together. The SEC's hack and the price of Bitcoin going up during that brief moment. Wyden and Lummis expressed worry that the hack could have been used to spread misinformation or manipulate the financial markets. We talked about this at length last week, both on the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast, but also on the Access of Easy 332. They both pointed out to the SEC's history of security, cybersecurity vulnerabilities. And this also includes a 2017 incident where hackers gained access to the agency's non-public data. And this is evidence that the agency needs to take cybersecurity more seriously. And the senators are also criticizing the SEC for its lack of transparency surrounding the hack. And we both hypothesized why this is. You were saying that it was a scheduled tweet that may have been sent too early. And who the heck knows what it really is? But there's a lot of questions that remain unanswered to this date. And they note that the agency has not provided any details. So this was done. What like almost two weeks ago now? We I can't even remember when it was, it was two weeks. Was, yeah, and, yeah, and still nothing. We still are mm -hmm. waiting for something. So yeah, there's definitely some lack lack of transparency for the governing body that administers our financials in on the market. So if you're talking about investing any money, the SEC is the one that's pulling the strings, and for them not to provide any information, that's troubling. So the senators they're demanding that the SEC take matters and take these things seriously because obviously a hack or doing an unscheduled tweet early is something that is very concerning. What else are they going to be doing? Because the Twitter account is a forward-facing um, unit that's from the SEC. And if they're if they're not monitoring this correctly, if they're not using this in a correct manner, what else are they doing behind closed doors? Very scary stuff. Again, this is more reason why I Bitcoin and I stay away from stay the heck away from the markets. I just laugh when I see stuff like this. It's it was clearly a scheduled tweet. Okay, hackers do not do not, in my opinion, anyway, go to these accounts and prepare like because you have to figure you don't have that much time. You know, if I had to guess, other thing then you know, Twitter X whatever conducted its own quote unquote investigation and released the findings and just said that there was no two FA enabled on the account. Didn't say that this tweet wasn't scheduled. Didn't say that there was any you know uh, malfeasance with the content of the tweet. Just said that they had no two FA and that's how the guy got in. I, you'd be, it'd be pretty easy to see if the tweet was scheduled. I think all you'd have to do is look at the SEC's payroll and see, do they have a social media manager or are they kind of just flying by the seat of their pants when it comes to the stuff they tweet? Do they tweet ad hoc, you know, as required instead of having a guy running the account on the phone all day? I don't know. But if they don't, if they don't, have, if they don't have a guy running the account, then you can presume it was scheduled. I think the funniest thing here is listening to, you know, as much as I like Wyden and Lummis, and this goes for the AI thing too, you know, we have these sort of, uh, modern day philosophers, you know, guys like Schumer and Maxine Waters and Lummis and Wyden, like these guys don't know anything about digital security, nothing. They don't know anything about it. 
Uh, they don't know anything about the way that some of these ecosystems work and 2FA works and the, you know, digital um, key fob that that is your um, authenticator app works. They don't know anything. They're calling for investigations and stuff that they have no idea about. I'm a Lummis fan because of the Bitcoin thing. And I know a Wyden fan too, I guess, indirectly. I know he's been on some Bitcoin stuff too. But I just don't think these people have any any reason to involve themselves in this. You know, it'd be better, honestly, if Twitter just did the investigation and released its findings. Um, they won't, obviously, because it's probably some kind of national security issue, fake or fake or uh, or actual. But um, yeah, I mean, you're, to your point about the SEC supposed to be sort of the governing body that prevents us from <laughs> market manipulation. How's that going? What was that candle like? I've never seen a spike and drop like that basically since, uh, I don't know, maybe since Tesla bought Bitcoin in 2021. That was a heck of a whiplash uh, up up from 45 to 48 and then down under 45, I think, uh, to 44 or 43. Obviously higher than we are now. You know, I'd like that that price action back. But uh, April that's to say that if you were, Yeah, so there you go. So uh, if you were... No, that, if was, you were that, that was a different that was a different time. But April 2022 was the one I, I noticed the, the most volatility with Bitcoin, mm. where the spread between the buys and the sales were upwards of $1,000. And the yeah. candle was moving... It was so, it was an incredible time to watch live. So, so the the point is that like you know Bitcoin is famously volatile, and you get comments from guys like Gensler saying, "Oh, the volatility is something investors need to be protected from." Well, you sort of dropped the ball here, didn't you, Gary? Um, so keep it to yourself until you figure out what's going on in your own house. The call is coming from inside the house, Gary, when it comes to volatility. So figure that out. Remember Lummis? She lost the shine because I think she was part of introducing a bill. I can't remember the specifics of it. She she I, was she was crypto friendly in a bill that she introduced, and uh, also I think uh, surveillance maybe was part of that. I forget I, now. That's I exactly go where weeds. I was going to go. Yeah, yeah and but. so a, a lot of of what she did, unfortunately, the credibility in my eyes, it's lost. And she was, you know, I, I was a, a big fan of her right up mm -hmm. until that moment, and then she became just another person that you know. I mean, isn't every elected official just tentacles the same octopus? Doesn't matter what what stripe at this point. Um, this is not a political show, but if you're counting on politicians to get you out of whatever problems you're experiencing as a citizen in a democracy, good luck. Uh, it's not going to happen for you, especially not now. El Salvador, their president, for whatever reason, seems to be doing the, I, I would say, the right thing with respect to Bitcoin. He, they, yeah. they could have done so many opportunities to shitcoin, like introduce not a, like a, a, something like the Miami coin. Remember, mm -hmm. they never done this. Yeah, they yeah, they yeah. just all they do is just buy, and you know you could discuss his policies all you want, but with respect to Bitcoin, he's been pretty good. He's done fine. But let me know. Let me know when uh, there's real power looking to corrupt in that country, as opposed to just you know gang wars. Um, that's fine. Yeah. Then, that's then, then we'll talk about whether or not that guy was really a success. Right now, he's buoyed by a lot of positive stories because there was really no place for that country to go but up from where they were and uh he's done it he's done a good job i don't want to take you know credit away from him but let's see when when real money and real uh you know covert operators enter the picture in el salvador and he's able to sustain his uh path then I'll, then i'll give him his flowers but until then he's uh just another guy just another bitcoiner that's all yeah let's do the last story and the u.s Secret Service. I don't know why they're involved in this one, but well, there's this new devious phishing tactic, always phishing stuff, and it involves fake antivirus renewals. Who the heck's using antivirus these days? <laughs> anyway, scammers are using scare tactics to dupe victims into granting remote access to their computers. 
And once they have access, they steal money directly from the victim's bank account. I'm willing to bet that these people that are falling for these tactics are all born in the 1950s or earlier. Earlier. In fact, <laughs> why not? In fact, there was a specific victim that was tricked into believing they received the 34000 refund from Norton. However, the actual transfer was to the victim's savings, sorry, the, from the victim's savings account to one of these perpetrators, the people trying to hack into it. So yeah, like who the heck would do this? You, you got to be kind of technically, uh, you just don't know much about, about computers or you're just not very bright. Maybe the both. Anyways, the U.S. Secret Service, they're currently trying to work to recover some of these funds. But I, the question I have is, why is the U.S. Secret Service on this case? Is there one particular reason? Was it a family member of a prominent individual that was impacted from this? Does the FBI not have something to do or they're too busy right now? They have to enlist another federal agency to take care of it. I don't know. There's a lot of questions here. I just don't know the answers to this. But all I got to say is, man, stay away from these antivirus programs. All they're going to do is just get you rugged one way or another. And here's another example. It does more harm than good. Listen to, to McAfee. He was right. Most operating systems now come with their own sort of baked in antivirus software, do they not? Like I know Defender on Windows is pretty good. I, I've used Kaspersky free, which is fine for most people. Like at the end of the day, the, the story is always the same. Anytime anyone asks for access to your computer, you say no. Unless it's your brother or your father or your mother or your or your you know whatever, you say no. Otherwise, anyone asks you for your bank account information, you say no. Anyone asks you to refund something that went to your bank account, you say no. Everything the default answer is always, always, always no. I mean, you and me know that, but maybe to your point earlier, it's the uh, folks who were around when uh, jukeboxes were the dominant form of entertainment in bars and pubs. Maybe the problem is them. I don't know. I don't. I hate to pin the blame on those people because there's a lot of bad actors who are obviously like seeking them out but uh this is an easy one like refund. yeah it was yanked from the guys so he, the the green screen i guess the problem was that there was like a green screen overlay or a blue screen overlay and this guy actually pulled 34k from buddy's money market fund so like how's that you know you really you, you not only do you give the guy access to your computer but you leave open your Tons like all your banking info you know like <laughs> shit man that's that's uh I don't want to say you're asking for it, but that's about as close as you get to asking for it, isn't it? I feel feel for the guy, but didn't really do yourself any favors. You know, we are a society that is very trusting with our financial stuff. We pawn off a lot of the responsibilities to other entities like banks yeah. and so forth. And so we don't think much of it. And until we take onus of our, our property, start take ownership of our property and manage it, there's going to be a lot more stories like that. And once you actually control it, you like for example, Bitcoin, mm -hmm. and you control your money, you'd be very leery about anybody trying to access anything totally at that point. Yeah, totally so agree. We, you know, this is just unfortunately a product of the last 50 years or so where we're just more trusting of, well, actually more than 50 years. Don't, of don't you think we're getting like away from the trusting though? Like I, whenever I talk to people now, again, this is people my age, even your age, me and you are about 10 years apart. Like I, I don't think, I don't think almost anybody I know at this point is, is, would, would count themselves among this population that's like, okay, someone needs access to my computer. It's the Norton antivirus team. I'll give it to them. I don't know anyone who would do that. Do you know anyone I who agree. would do that? Really? No, yeah, number so like, one, I, I don't know anybody yeah. who uses that antivirus, but you're right. Like, why would you, and it, yeah, you could get some refund from that. Like, you, you gotta be, you know, like you say, when you grew up, jukeboxes was the thing you use when you're going to the bars and stuff like that. But you gotta be like really technically unsavvy.
to do yeah. that or and or slow or or maybe you just don't have time to look into this stuff like i don't know oh no come on no. i don't know man i'm trying to think i'm trying to give these people the benefit of the doubt but um you know we uh we'll see how this goes i guess the guy's being charged with money laundering or, or sorry wire fraud now so whatever we'll find out anyway that's it for access of easy this week uh don't forget sign up access of easy.com you can get the newsletter you can get the podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on youtube come watch us we've been recording on fridays instead of thursdays recently which um i gotta say len i've enjoyed but um if you have any questions comments hit us up you can find us on twitter you can find mark on uh, easydns.com and until next time friends uh take care of yourself yeah take care